you how to reignite the embers of a distant and lonely relationship into a blazing, emotionally intimate connection. I'm your host, Amber Dawson. I'm a psychologist, author, and speaker. A few of my favorite things are my husband, grapes, and my adorable little dog, Riggs. Now let's learn how to create a soul crush in love that lasts. Hit subscribe in your podcast app so that simply by listening, you can rekindle your relationship by pouring a little gas on your relationship ember. This podcast is for informational purposes and should not be misconstrued for specific relationship advice. For advice for your specific relationship, seek a local couples therapist for relationship counseling for couples therapy. In today's episode, we are talking about six steps to heal past resentment because no one wants past pains to get in the way of possibly current pleasures in their relationship. We all want conflict to stop and to feel deeply connected to our partners. It sucks to have the same conflict again and again, like spinning our wheels and getting nowhere. Lonely, angry, invalidated, disrespected. Sometimes when we try to have the conversations about the resentments, we end up feeling worse, not better. We can feel like relationships should be easier. But if you ever talk to someone in a relationship, you know, relationships aren't easy. After working with hundreds of couples, most of them come to therapy with a past resentment. And here are six steps you can take to heal a past hurt. I've gotten this from the Gottman Method. They talk about how to process the aftermath of a fight or the aftermath of a regrettable incident. And that is what we're going over today. Listen up, because I want you to heal those past resentments so you can feel safe and loved in your relationship. Be happy and allow those past incidents to be forgotten. The key to working through a past incident is this. This is your first step, and it's being able to talk about it, process it without it becoming a fight again. Couples need to work hard to commit to talking about it, not fighting about it. When they actually talk about it, here are the five steps that should be covered. So that was your first step is committing to talking about it. But now here are the five steps that you need to do when you are actually talking about it. So the first thing to do is to start with how you feel. Starting with how you feel softens whatever is going to come next. Talking about the past plans can usually accidentally slip into blame, criticism, harsh words, harsh tones. Well, most of us, if we feel blamed or attacked, you know what we're going to do? Defend ourselves and either leave the conversation or counterattack. So although you might be very hurt, there is still responsibility in these conversations on that of the hurt to describe their feelings in a reasonable way so their partner can actually stay engaged and hear you. I know it sucks. It can feel totally unfair to be like, well, they hurt me. Why should I have to be reasonable in how I talk? Well, the reason to be reasonable in how you talk is so they can hear you, so you guys can process it, and so that it doesn't cause more pain. And I know that sucks and sometimes feels horribly unfair and like you feel justified in getting to state your position. Here's the thing, you can state your position, but how you state your position is likely going to determine a lot of whether your conversation succeeds or fails. 
What we know by watching couples have conversations is that conversations that start harsh within the first three minutes, usually the middle of the conversation is harsh and so is the end. So when you start with how you feel, you actually soften the conversation and increase the likelihood it's going to go well. So that is the first step, state how you feel. And remember, feelings are one word. Sad, frustrated, overwhelmed, lonely, hurt, embarrassed, abandoned. Those are feeling words. The second thing to do is describe about what you have that feeling. This is your subjective interpretation about what has happened. Now, here is a key to remember. Even though you and your partner went through the same event, there are at least two different ways to look at this. And here's the worst part. You're both right. You're both right from your own points of view. And I know that sucks when you are having a conversation. So if you can, the key to processing this is hearing both of your different and at times conflicting points of view without judgment, without interpretation, without rebutting, and just plainly accepting that there are two different ways to see the situation. When you are describing your subjective interpretation, the key here is again to stay away from blame, harsh words, criticism. Instead, think about being the author of a story, writing down the facts of the situation, but not interpreting. Because if you go to blame, if you go to criticism, you know what's going to happen? Your partner is going to counterattack or they're going to leave. So state the facts as you see them and also recognize your partner might see the same situation very differently. The third step in all of this is explaining your triggers why this has caused an emotional reaction in you. Most of us have emotional reactions that are due to something either in that relationship or a story from our past. So what we need to do is explain why we were triggered. It can also be that there's things going on in our current lives. So examples of triggers are things like, I have been grouchy this week. I've been feeling tired this week. I've been taking you for granted lately. Other triggers could be, I feel overwhelmed when such and such thing happens because it reminds me of something that happened in my childhood. This is a vulnerability for me. Or when such and such happens, I feel triggered and overwhelmed with emotion because of something that has happened in a past relationship. So the key here, again, is explaining your triggers in a way that stays away from judgment, blame, accusation, and just explaining how come this is a big deal to you. Tell your stories to your partner. The more you can share your stories and hear the other person's point of view, validate what is going on, the easier it will be to work through these things. So what you've noticed here is we're starting with a feeling, we're talking about what we've explained our triggers. Those are the first three steps. It's important that both of you take a turn to do this. Practice being the speaker and the listener. Because the paradox of feeling heard and understood is actually listening to your partner's side without interpretation, blame, judgment, interruption. And the more we make one person feel heard, usually the more they can make us feel heard. And the key to doing these first three steps is to do so without engaging in persuasion, to just Say how you feel, describe what, explain your triggers, and let them do the same while you really, really listening to what they have to say. Why this is important to talk about these things and not just forgive and forget blindly is because that is not how forgetting works. 
This is how forgetting works. Forgetting, why we can forget something is because it's no longer emotionally salient. When something is emotionally salient, we don't forget it, we hang on to it. So how you forget something that is emotionally salient is to emotionally process it. That's why we have to state how we feel, describe what we feel it about, and explain our triggers. When we do this, we are beginning to emotionally process. And when it is heard by our partners, without them objecting, defending, rationalizing, just heard. That is how it is processed. So this is how emotional processing works. Imagine you go to a restaurant and you're when you're there with 12 friends. So clearly we're not in pandemic times if you can go to a restaurant with 12 friends. A server comes and she takes your order or he or they or whoever takes your order and they do it without writing anything down. You're thinking, oh my goodness, there is going to be a mistake. How on earth can you take 13 people's order and just keep it all in your head? The server goes over and flawlessly punches it into the computer. If that server was asked shortly after ringing it into the computer what on earth that table ordered, chances are that server would not know. However, that order could still come out to your table perfectly right. Why, you might wonder, what on earth is happening here that the server could ring this in, get it right, but not remember after? And caveat, I served for like 10 years of my life and there is no way I could remember a 13 person order, maybe a two person order, but heck, I was still ready to forget that. But I served with another girl who she could do a 13 person order in her head. Wild, right? Anyways, when we punch it in that is processed, your mind no longer needs to hold onto the information because it is now processed. Processed information doesn't need to be stored in your head. It's no longer emotionally or salient or relevant. The same thing happens when we talk about the issues, not fight about them again. It gets processed. When the information is processed, used, we no longer have to hold it. So in the conversation with our partner, by stating how we feel, describing what about, explaining our triggers, it's like we're punching it into the computer. Now, let's talk about the fourth and fifth steps to processing a regrettable incident. The fourth step is the hard part. It is taking responsibility for some of your part in this. So depending on what the past pain or betrayal is, you might not actually have a responsibility, but you might. So if you can, just think about what you are responsible for, how you contributed. Some people really might insist they didn't do anything. Okay, sure. However, one person at least, probably, if this is a past pain, there is some responsibility to be taken. And if you can, take responsibility for your part and offer an apology. And then after your partner offers the apology, try to accept part of it. And if you can't, explain what you still need. Not what you don't need, but what you do need. So for example, a lot of people, if they're going to reject the apology, they explain what they're all hurt about still. That is okay. What we need to do, though, is transform that into a positive need. So explain to your partner what you still need them to do, not what you don't need them to do. The fifth part about healing and aftermath a regrettable incident is coming up with constructive plans. So this is explaining something you can do differently and making a request for something your partner could be doing differently. This could be about the same incident. So there are many past pains that actually need to be processed in this format five times, 10 times, 20 times, 100 times. 
for them to become processed and put away, which is so frustrating to the people that just want to forgive and forget. And they're like, why can't we just move forward? Because you can't move forward when all the stuff is stuck in your head from the past pains that are going on. So I know it is frustrating. So sometimes the constructive plans is how do we talk about it? How do we bring this up at reasonable times where we can both be heard without it feeling like a blame game? Something like that, which can be very hard to do. So your constructive plans can actually be about how do you talk about it again? Alternatively, constructive plans can be about how do you avoid or how do you do things differently so that this past pain doesn't come up. So now you know the five steps, stating how you feel, describing what about, explaining your triggers, taking responsibility for your part, offering apology is part of taking responsibility and generating a constructive plan. These are the five steps. But the sixth step is committing to talk about it without fighting about it again. Now you know what it takes, and this is way simpler than it sounds. And you probably know this if you've ever tried to process a past resentment with your partner. If you're stuck, this might be a good time to seek out advice from a local couples therapist to help you work through these steps. When couples can learn to do this, they can transform lonely and distant relationships into peaceful and loving connections. Thank you for tuning in to Relationship Psych, the podcast put on by Ember Relationship Psychology. If you're looking for more free relationship help or advice that comes straight from the couple's therapy room, check out the free resources and the blog at www.emberrelationshippsychology.com.